It's time to end Obamacare now. For the past eight years, we have been suffering under President Obama's ridiculous policies, the worst of which... Obamacare. And you know why it's bad. It raised premiums, it decreased patient choice, and it made people even more dependent on government. But when President-elect Trump takes office on January 20th, we can finally repeal Obamacare. But there are liberals in D.C. who are conspiring to save it. And the only way we can stop them is if we get grassroots activists like you to stand up to them and pledge to help President-elect Trump repeal Obamacare on day one. So stand with President-elect Trump and go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. Get involved. Help repeal Obamacare. If you don't act now, we won't be able to make a difference. If you want lower premiums, better health care, we need to repeal Obamacare on day one. And that's why you need to go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. It's time to take advantage of this historic opportunity and see how freedom works. So what if I told you every phone call you make is helping to fund progressive causes and politicians like Planned Parenthood and Hillary Clinton? You'd probably stop making phone calls, right? Well, the fact is your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your beliefs. And there are progressive radical liberal phone companies spending tens of millions of dollars to remove conservative leaders from office and fight for liberal social change. So what's a patriot like you to do? Well, you can start by calling my friends at Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text, high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices, and donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. You get the same quality service, competitive prices, and you get to help causes you believe in. Call Patriot Mobile right now at 800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve at checkout and receive $35 in free activation fees for up to two lines. Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Well, greetings and welcome to the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network on a Monday. Sans Steve Dace, Steve is getting so much deserved. R&R, his uh, typical end-of-year vacation is underway. I uh, hope, uh, hope he's doing well. But, as always, uh, even though he's gone, you can still contact him in one of three ways. And before I tell you how you can do that, I should probably say my name's Aaron McIntyre. I'm his producer, and I'm joined along for the ride this evening by Todd Urgen, Steve's web editor. You can contact Steve by emailing steve at stevedace.com. You can find him on Facebook by searching for Steve Dace or on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That last name, as always, is spelled D-E-A-C-E. If for some reason you want to interact with me during the show, you can do that at Dace Producer on uh, Twitter. And if you want to interact with Todd, you can do that at Dace Online on Twitter as well. And Todd, you have a you have a good weekend. I mean, it was cold here in the Upper Midwest, but evidently, if you say anything about that, that's a violation of the Jude Code, according to you. So I, I hope it was good otherwise. Had a great weekend. Uh, took care of some uh, Christmas dotting of I's and crossing T's. Saw a little movie that we may or may not talk about in a little while. And I, I think some other people 
saw this uh, film as well this just weekend. A yeah. Just a few. Just a few. So it was, it was a, a very good weekend. Well, we'll get into some uh, news and views coming up uh, and into hour number two. We'll uh, have kind of an end-of-year roundtable uh, discussion with our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader. But for some reason that only Jobu knows, uh, I agreed to help out, um, kind of co-host uh, the, the local morning show on one of our local music radio stations, which means I was up literally hours before I usually am. I was up at like 4.45 local time this morning. And uh, so if I start slurring words during the course of tonight's show, that's why. But I was up earlier than usual, and I got on Twitter, hopped on Twitter right away. And what do I see? I see the number one trending thing early that morning, early this morning in the United States, is how republics end. And it was some sort of hashtag regarding the electoral college. And then there was another hashtag that was trending in the top ten as well nationally, and that was December 19th. That also had to do with the electoral college. And while the Americans, it seems like at least some Americans, are just totally wrapped up in a republic actually functioning like a republic, in the Middle East... In Aleppo, in Syria, specifically, the killing is just continuing. I mentioned during one of our two year-end shows on Thursday or Friday, I can't remember which one, that I thought the most undercovered story of the year was just this mass slaughter of innocents in the Middle East. And this story about radical Islam, after two years, or after two wars, and over a decade of fighting in two Middle Eastern theaters. Radical Islam is spreading the likes of which something like that has, I, I don't know if, it's, if, if this globe has ever seen something like that, especially, at least not in modern times. And while Americans are bickering about their great republic functioning actually as it's supposed to be happening, something happened in Turkey, in Ankara, Turkey. Steve, our boss, said that this is one of the most iconic photos he's ever seen in his lifetime, and I tend to agree. The photo was of an Islamic radical in a suit and a tie, standing with a gun in the air over the body of the Russian ambassador to Turkey. According to the Associated Press, who produced that photo, the radical Islamist who shot, assassinated this ambassador, was yelling, Alu Akbar, and other radical jihadist language, typical of killings. What we're at war against right now, folks, in the middle of this Christmas season, where tomorrow night and the next night on this show we'll, we'll have two hours dedicated to covering the stories behind the most loved songs and the most loved traditions behind Christmas. What we're at war against is what Todd described at the beginning of the show. It's what I described, albeit in somewhat uh, dulcet tones, um, maybe dulcet's not the right words, the ability, the freedom to do basically what we want in the United States. What we're at war against right now is an ideology that just absolutely hates this in radical Islam. And if you wonder where I'm going with this, I think this is another reason 
and I wonder it every day. And I think you've said the same thing, Todd. I, I, I think about it every day. How in the world did we get here where Donald Trump is our president? I think it says, I think it's summed up in two photos. One, I mentioned this on the show actually end of last year, one was a photo of Barack Obama with his hand and his limp wrist being held up by communist dictator Raul Castro earlier this year. Another photo was taken today of the radical jihadist standing over the body of a Russian ambassador shouting, Alu Akbar. Those are how we get somebody like Donald Trump. Because for the last eight years, our foreign policy, our president has existed in the paradigm where good and evil just, they, they don't exist. And when you try to function in a paradigm, or you try to create a paradigm where good and evil do not exist, you allow evil to flourish all the more. See, and that's why people... I think were at least initially attracted to Donald Trump, at least gave him the position to be where he is now, the opportunity to be where he is now. People are afraid. This isn't East versus West. This is West. This is all that was good about the West against all that is evil in this world, in the, in, in the belief and ideology of radical Islam. That's what we're seeing right now, and people were scared. And really, Todd, can you blame them? Not at all. You but it's that motivation, I think. And I think that was underscored again today uh, with this just, uh, it's a gut-wrenching photo, and I'm sure you saw it as well, Todd. I think that is why we are where we are today. The good news is we don't have to be motivated for fear, by fear, uh, for four or eight years of Donald Trump. But it is, I think, a pretty good explanation, or at least part of the explanation of why we got here. What do you think? Well, the, the the we've seen so many examples like this, and of course, on top of the, this this picture, because of the fact that the photographer was right there, is so unique. But we we just had a, another uh, a, a truck in Germany drive through a Christmas uh, mall or something like that. Uh, uh, multiple people are dead, uh, as as many as fifty, if not more, uh, are injured. So. What's encouraging about the fear vote, in a manner of speaking, is that we we on the, we didn't become we didn't become numb to it. We have just not accepted it. Now, whether we chose the right solution, ultimately, uh, time will tell. Is there any solution in in terms of uh, our American political uh, standing? And what I mean by that is, can we? fix this or does this simply need to play out as many things have in a broken world have played out over many many hundreds of years uh, those of us i won't see the end of this in my lifetime aaron you might not see the end of this in your lifetime I expect not there there won't be uh some um meeting at a uh at a, a, a church as there was at the end of the Civil War or, or on, a, on a battleship as, as there was at the end of uh, 
uh, World War II to bring this thing to an end? If, is this simply now a state of being? And do our choices simply mean to deal with... I mean, that's life in a nutshell, isn't it? We are dealing with a fallen, broken society who lashes out at each other. I mean, that describes us and our fellow man here in a relatively safe society. But that's, you know, now up is down, down is up. We don't even know what gender is. So in in many respects, what we're dealing with with Islam is no different than just the animal we fight every day as human beings, our brokenness. And it is Donald Trump is up. Uh, I am skeptical, uh, but you're right to point out his vote was a reaction, is, uh, was very much a fearful reaction. But now that he's there, uh, let's let's hope that he has more game than the uh, aforementioned lip, limp wrist you described. Because one thing, he, Barack Obama still has high positives, mm-hmm. but I don't think most people believe that it's a nice guy thing. Not because he's a tough guy. Well said. We'll have more uh, news and views here on the Steve Dace Show, Sans Steve Dace, in just a few minutes. You're listening to Steve Dace. to define the modern-day New Age America. We're all kind of crazy town banana pants. It's Steve Dace. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And back on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. More weekend news and views, even when Steve is gone. Of course, today, uh, various uh, well, um, the electoral college uh, voted, and there was uh, there were many cries and uh, many boos, literal literal boos in some cases, uh, many cries of pain from the left about oh I don't know republicanism, and I'm not talking uh, Republican Party republicanism actually functioning as it's supposed to function, and to me this whole argument is getting to be. The same thing that the lesser of two evils, and there's, it's, it's not even an argument. This this thing is becoming what the lesser of two evils was for us for most of the general election and, and some of the primary election or primary process as well. It's just getting under my skin, and it's there's. I mean, have you heard any good arguments about uh, from from the left from our friends on the left about this whole electoral college thing about banishing it or not? Have you heard any like? arguments that actually should be taken on their face a little bit seriously or is it just all whining todd it's all whining i, I haven't heard a, a single example there are no good there just are no good arguments what i haven't heard is even a an attempt right. an honest intellectual attempt uh, because this is two legs good four legs bad yeah. it did my my gal lost this stinks and we got donald trump now for four years and i refuse to accept that yeah lest uh, lest we uh, just assume uh that everybody knows everything about the electoral college prager you puts out some in this from our, our uh, colleague dennis prager here uh, at salem Prager U puts out some just amazing short, um, just bite-sized videos about some very important lessons in civics that are just not being talked about. So lest we assume that everybody listening knows exactly why the Electoral College is there, I'm going to play the audio from this video that they made, that Prager U made about the Electoral College, and hopefully won't, we won't ever have to talk about this ever again. 
I want to talk to you about the Electoral College and why it matters. All right, I know this doesn't sound like the most sensational topic of the day, but stay with me because I promise you it's one of the most important. To explain why requires a very brief civics review. The President and Vice President of the United States are not chosen by a nationwide popular vote of the American people. Rather, they are chosen by 538 electors. This process is spelled out in the United States Constitution. Why didn't the founders just make it easy and let the presidential candidate with the most votes claim victory? Why did they create, and why do we continue to need this electoral college? The answer is critical to understanding not only the electoral college, but also America. The founders had no intention of creating a pure majority rule democracy. They knew from careful study of history what most have forgotten today or never learned. Pure democracies do not work. They implode. Democracy has been colorfully described as two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for dinner. In a pure democracy, bare majorities can easily tyrannize the rest of a country. The founders wanted to avoid this at all costs. This is why we have three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. It's why each state has two senators, no matter what its population, but also different numbers of representatives based entirely on population. It's why it takes a supermajority in Congress and three-quarters of the states to change the Constitution. And it's why we have the Electoral College. Here's how the Electoral College works. The presidential election happens in two phases. The first phase is purely democratic. We hold 51 popular elections every presidential election year, one in each state and one in D.C. On election day, you are really voting for a slate of presidential electors. In Rhode Island, for example, if you voted for Barack Obama, you voted for the state's four Democratic electors. If you voted for Mitt Romney, you were really voting for the state's four Republican electors. Part two of the election is held in December. And it is this December election among the state's 538 electors, not the November election, which officially determines the identity of the next president. At least 270 votes are needed to win. Why is this so important? Because the system encourages coalition building and national campaigning. In order to win, a candidate must have the support of many different types of voters from various parts of the country. Winning only the South or the Midwest is not good enough. You cannot win 270 electoral votes if only one part of the country is supporting you. But if winning were only about getting the most votes, a candidate might concentrate all of his efforts in the biggest cities or the biggest states. Why would that candidate care about what people in West Virginia or Iowa or Montana think? But, you might ask, isn't the election really only about the so-called swing states? Actually, no. If nothing else, safe and swing states are constantly changing. California voted safely Republican as recently as 1988. Texas used to vote Democrat. Neither New Hampshire nor Virginia used to be swing states. Most people think that George W. Bush won the 2000 election because of Florida. Well, sort of, but he really won the election because he managed to flip one state which the Democrats thought was safe, West Virginia. Its four electoral votes turned out to be decisive. No political party can ignore any state for too long without suffering the consequences. Every state, and therefore every voter in every state, is important. 
The Electoral College also makes it harder to steal elections. Votes must be stolen in the right state in order to change the outcome of the Electoral College. With so many swing states, this is hard to predict and hard to do. But without the Electoral College, any vote stolen in any precinct in the country could affect the national outcome, even if that vote was easily stolen in the bluest California precinct or the reddest Texas one. The Electoral College is an ingenious method of selecting a president for a great, diverse republic such as our own. It protects against the tyranny of the majority, encourages coalition building, and discourages voter fraud. Our founders were proud of it. We can be too. I'm Tara Ross for Prager University. All right, now you have absolutely no excuse. If you're still trying to make some sort of argument, which I haven't actually heard an argument, it's just been all whining, as you pointed out, Todd. If you have any arguments, um, you just just stop it. You're being a moron. You're being a uh, you're being a sheep, really, because look at look at how much fundraising has already been uh, done off of this. Look at Jill Stein, almost seven million dollars richer after doing this phony baloney recount process. You're being a moron. Stop it. You're making yourself look bad, Todd. I need to stop talking b- before I get us all in trouble. Well, the th- the things you're arguing for, if if you want the elimination of the electoral college, you're simultaneously arguing to get rid of the United States Senate. Now, hold on, folks. I know that might sound good, uh, and I've had my moments along those lines as well. But you're 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 getting uh, you're asking to be ruled by California and New York, and you're telling. A liberal state like uh, Delaware and a conservative small state like Montana, that they absolutely uh, don't matter. That you are denying the very foundational principles of our country. That is heresy. Stop it. What's good for the goose is not always good for the gander, and you would have to learn that lesson if we got rid of something like the Electoral College. We'll have more in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. He's trying to keep us all together because, well, the liberals do it. See what you call insanity? We call solidarity. This is Steve Dace. One more thing on the Electoral College situation. I mentioned that if you're still peddling this notion that we should get rid of the Electoral College, that you're a moron. And I stand by that. And in my mind, and in the minds of every American who lives on this crazy thing called reality or planet Earth... There is no differentiation between you saying you want the Electoral College to be abolished and these Wisconsin protesters after that state's electors cast all ten of their ballots for Donald Trump. Listen to the fans! Listen to all of it! Can I take my 
differentiation in my mind between these types of people who are probably being paid I don't know that for sure but we've seen this type of situation before there's no difference in my mind between those people and the tree worshipers it's just again this is I hope this is the last time we ever talk about this on this show it probably won't be as we learned with this year things always get worse and they usually don't go away the stupid never goes no, away and I will have to say this for progressives. When you have them penned in and they aren't actually controlling your government, mm-hmm. got to give them credit. High entertainment value. It is. And I've, I kind of forgot about this because the last time that, um, you know, the last time that a Republican had kind of come and, and shown a little bit of an upset uh, was George Bush. And I was, when, when he won that election, I was, oh, good grief. I was, I think I was nine years, no, I was seven years old when uh, when he won uh, the first time, and not that much older, of course, just, you know, 11 when he won the second time. And so I don't remember all the nuances and just savoring all of the little, all, all, all of the butt hurt um, that the left can show. And it just seems like, I guess the one thing, the positive thing that my generation has done en masse is just turn up the level of, of butt hurt that they show when they don't get their way. And you're right, it is entertaining. It's schadenfreude. It's, it's the gift that just so far has not stopped uh, giving and whereas we had as steve has outlined many times corrupt versus crazy now with hillary versus trump now Mm -hmm. with the the media and the left versus trump now it's just crazy versus crazy and they feed off of one another and it is going to be fascinating month by month year by year will, will we have any level of cultural or political sanity left when we're all done with this see i think the answer to that question for the left is easy no um their their worldview uh doesn't allow for sanity because um when you fail to obey god's law and the natural law anything outside of that is insanity unfortunately after seeing this year i don't have the the confidence the same amount of confidence that the right will be any less weird just with a different tinge of of crazy does that make sense oh it it doesn't if donald trump because he has this foil if he can be a legitimate right of center sort of even sort of conservative grown-up he could have the kind of presidency where we're 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 Mm -hmm. we're one day chiseling his statue out of granite Uh, because the he he will just look like a giant by default compared to these fools. And believe me, and we've talked about this on the show, he wants somebody carving his statue out of granite somewhere on the National Mall. Somebody's probably doing it right now, just in case. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, whether or not he actually has the fortitude and wherewithal to get that done or to make himself into such a legacy, well, I mean, again, we've said this so many times when it comes to Donald Trump. We'll see. I don't have the greatest confidence, but... Again, that's uh, that's for the future, and that uh, that that is held only by the future, and none of us who pretend to be Nostradamus. You're listening to the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Todd, you saw uh, some movie this weekend that you want to talk about. I didn't want to talk about it, but 
Todd was just gushing about it before the show, so I guess since Steve's gone, I'll, I'll give, I'll throw Todd. About I it. have thoughts. <laughs> you do have thoughts. We'll have more on the Steve Day Show in just a few minutes. You're listening to Steve Dace. So what if I told you every phone call you make is helping to fund progressive causes and politicians like Planned Parenthood and Hillary Clinton? You'd probably stop making phone calls, right? Well, the fact is your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your beliefs. And there are progressive radical liberal phone companies spending tens of millions of dollars to remove conservative leaders from office and fight for liberal social change. So what's a patriot like you to do? Well, you can start by calling my friends at Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text, high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices, and donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. You get the same quality service, competitive prices, and you get to help causes you believe in. Call Patriot Mobile right now at 800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve at checkout and receive $35 in free activation fees for up to two lines. Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve. Trying to trick the libs with the truth. Hey, I'm not falling for that. It's Steve Dace. As um, some of our closer listeners on the show will know, for whatever reason, I just don't go out to a whole lot of movies. I just, I, it just seems like a lot of money to spend, and I usually go by myself anyway. If I if I did go, although the last movie that I went to, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, great movie. Uh, word of a word of advice to all the single guys out there: it's not a great date movie. <laughs> you uh, did? <laughs> yes. Uh, we both thought it was great, uh, but it is, uh, it's, it's, it's very visceral. Uh, so that's my word of caution for anybody uh, thinking about <laughs> going on a date to, to Hacksaw Ridge. But there was another movie that opened up uh, this weekend that I have seen nothing but good things about. Somewhat surprisingly, at least from, from my vantage point, and that was Rogue One. Todd, you saw that. Give us your impressions. Uh, I loved it. And as this is coming from somebody, just so our audience knows, very critical and has always been very critical of uh, the Force Awakens too. Yeah, I, I, this is they nailed they nailed it. This is what four Star Wars movies before this should have been about. I understand ultimately, you know, as an adult wanting gritty and dark and things like that for movies that. I thrived on when I was six years old, starting with Star Wars. You know, there's got to be a balance. This is absolutely about the kids of the next generation. But it it doesn't have to be as hollow as many of the last attempts did. And there's a great level of uh, complexity uh, in this movie. It doesn't allow it. Uh, there is definitely good 
and there is definitely evil, but there is uh, tension about how we uh, work towards the good because within the Rebel Alliance itself, there's a couple different camps. There's kind of a John Brown uh, camp represented by a Forrest Whitaker's uh, character, and then there's more of the mainstream rebellion, and there there's a, a great deal of tension about how to move forward. Uh, and this movie makes you care far more deeply about many characters, in my estimation, than I, I found possible in uh, Force Awakens. I, I, I love the character of Rey. But after that, uh, Poe Dameron, and, and a great actor like mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac, just hollow. They did nothing with that character. And the movie started with him. And uh, and also the um, uh, Finn, I, I, I just found the whole Stormtrooper thing uncompelling. Here you have these uh, non-Force, uh, they, they look like, they're like, uh, uh, Star Wars version of samurai, and they're taking care of one of the old Jedi temples, and they they don't have the Force. One of them is blind, but the, there's a level of respect for the Force that ties deeply into being learning about the Force from uh, Yoda uh, at, at Dagobah. I, I, and there's uh, the, the, the the two of the main characters. Uh, there, there's not it. They're on the they're fighting for the good guys, but it's not clean. They have pasts. They've done things they're not proud of. There's wrestling there. These are things that the kid, the kid who sees it, and this, you're, if you're a six-year-old seeing this movie, and I went with my whole family, so my youngest, uh, my daughter is six years old. You know, she was not terrified by the movie or anything like that. But it, it's a, there's a little bit more there that's going to go over their head, but they could still have a good time watching the movie. An adult can really enjoy this movie. And then, the end of this movie, I'm not going to do anything spoiler-wise, uh, but it is fantastic it it is one of the best i don't know how long it was a minute to two minutes of of cinema you can ask for especially how it ties into star wars the 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 first 15 minutes of star wars the original a new hope if not the entire movie will be changed because of how awesome i think it's gareth edwards got that last bit It, it is just i i I wish and, I could have taped the smile on my face as it was happening because it was just you're you're back and you're a kid again and th- sometimes that's just a beautiful thing. That's what I was gonna. You've kind of given us um, an overall uh, view of of the movie, and I want to ask you Star Wars specifically, and just just so we're all clear here, uh, there there might be spoil. I don't know. I Todd and I haven't talked about this segment. There might be spoilers, so if you want no chance of getting a spoiler whatsoever. Uh, just drop us uh, for a couple minutes. Tune back in in a couple minutes, and this will all be over with. But uh, you've been f- fair uh, forewarned. From a Star Wars standpoint, um, where does this rank as far as uh, best movie? And how how did it? How faithful was it to the actual Star Wars canon as you see it? Oh, it's well, it's it's incredibly respectful of the canon. There are multiple. Uh, Easter eggs, uh, oma- is, uh, odes to the uh, old movies. Or here's an example: uh, the um, this is not a it, 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 it comes and it goes so quickly. I'm not I'm not spoiling anything. It'll it'll be wonderful. But uh, when they're walking through this old city, the uh, the two thugs in, in, who pick a fight with Luke Skywalker uh, in the cantina, mm-hmm. and then uh, the uh, Alec Guinness, Obi Wan Kenobi brandishes his lightsaber for the first time, cuts off the arm of uh, uh, one of them. They're walking through. And really? It, it, it's little things like uh, that. So you, huh. it, it, it's, that's just so much fun, and it's not done in any 
I mean, they just clearly looked at the movies and got it right when they said, wouldn't it be neat if, wouldn't it be neat mm -hmm. if? And, you know, you can pull that off in a very, very clumsy way. But I, I really think uh, they got it ex exactly right. Now, I I have to view this again just to be honest with myself because I don't want to over... Even, even after Force Awakens, e heck, even after Phantom Menace, to go to see a Star Wars movie again at those times and you got to see some... I mean, there's some great lightsaber battles mm -hmm. in Phantom Menace, so... You, you, it's important to have a second viewing, but I might, I might put this at number two behind Empire Strikes really? Back. I, I really enjoyed it. It's just fantastic story uh, telling to to put so much into a movie. To you know, it doesn't all of a sudden you just the plans are there and mm -hmm. they, you go on with the movie. That that's the the MacGuffin of Star Wars. But to build a whole, to take that and build a whole convincing movie. That has great flesh on its bones. That has uh, great human drama. Very, very high stakes. You know, where listen, it, it this is this is the very, very messy side of what happens in Star Wars. At the end of Star Wars: A New Hope, you have that parade. You mm -hmm. you have medals being awarded. Well, that was possible because of great human sacrifice that was very well played. That is exciting, and it's uh, very encouraging uh, because I know both you and Steve have, uh, as you just said, very great things to say about this, both the Star Wars nerds, so that's very encouraging that they got this one right. So uh, I'll have to go see that again. Thanks for your thoughts, Todd. We'll have more in just a little bit here on The Steve Day Show. You're listening to Steve Dace. got his finger on the button of truth. Put the finger down. It's Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. You know, we've had an ugly political year. And that means the word refugee, for so many now, has a negative connotation. And, and we understand uh, what happens when... You don't vet people properly. You import them into your culture. We're seeing what's happening in Europe as an example. But that doesn't mean there's still not uh, really a humanitarian crisis happening throughout the Middle East. And that's why this Christmas we are partnering with Heart for Lebanon. We, we want to take the gospel to those innocent children caught in the crosshairs of terrorism and being ravaged by war right there where they live. We want to take the gospel to them. We want to take it right to children like Manny. Like so many children, violence was all Manny and his brother have ever known. The war in Syria forced his family to flee Lebanon, but for Manny, the war that was going on inside his home was even worse. Denise, the director at Heart for Lebanon's Beirut Hope Center, explains. He was crying, he was bleeding, and he told me that he's been crying. It was wintertime, it was raining. His shoes had a hole and he didn't want his feet to get wet, so he kept on crying. And his dad was like, we can't, you know, you have to wear the shoes, go wear it. And he didn't want to wear it, and they want to wear it. And finally his dad lost it. But he couldn't control himself, so he kept on hitting him until he was bleeding and was sent to school. The abuse that Manny was receiving from the hand of his own father, coupled with all that this little boy had experienced in Syria, turned him into one of the most aggressive students we've ever seen at the Hope Center. When he threatened other students with a knife on the playground, 
Denise was faced with the difficult decision to remove him from our school. But Heart for Lebanon went into action, reaching out in God's love to Manny and his family. The change in their lives has been remarkable. The abuse at home has stopped, and Manny, once an aggressive, mean-spirited young boy, is learning the violin, his life transformed by the gospel. Not only he became not aggressive, not only he's becoming, he's volunteering in our children's program with his brother, giving so much love and care to children that are in our centers. Your gift of $98 will help Heart for Lebanon bring the gospel to 18 refugee kids just like Manny. Be a part of rescuing these children for Christ before someone else captures them for evil. Please give now and thank you for being as generous as you can. I've never thought I will be able to come to Lebanon and learn violin. I thank the Lord for that. Your one-time gift of $98 is going to reach 18 children like Manny with the gospel. Call now, 844-441-9966, 844-441-9966, or you can click on the banner on my website at stevedace.com. You're listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Oh, hey, we're back on the air. Hour two of the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network, is underway. Sans Steve Dace. I'm his producer, Aaron McIntyre, along with uh, Steve's web editor, Todd Erzin. Of course, uh, even though Steve is gone, you can still contact uh, us on the show, uh, even Steve, if you want to. You can email him, steve at stevedace.com. Find him on Twitter at Steve Day Show or by searching for his Facebook page. Steve Dace, that last name is always is spelled D-E-A-C-E. So even though Steve is on vacation, our good friend uh, Bob Vanderplatz uh, didn't get off the hook tonight, uh, but, and he joins us as he typically does here on Hour 2 of uh, Monday nights. So Bob, thanks for coming in and hanging out with uh, Todd and I. <laughs> what a thrill and what an unexpected blessing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Steve was going to be off tonight, but I'm glad he is. I, you know, we finally get to just talk. You might get a word in tonight, We've, Bob. <laughs> You know, not too long ago, Steve said, Bob, he said, give me a call when you got 20 minutes, and then I want you to put your phone on mute and just listen. And I said, so just like a typical conversation, huh, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. oh, no, thrilled to be here. Merry Christmas to you yeah, guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Bob. And what I told you I wanted to do uh, this hour, because you are such a good friend of the show and, and uh, mean a lot, uh, your opinion and uh, analysis means a lot to all of us here. I want to look back um, on the year that was, the year 2016, and a couple of different uh, frameworks. One, I want to look back on the year 2016 from a political standpoint, and then I want to look back on the year from a spiritual standpoint. Then I want to look ahead to the year 2017. So let's start with kind of the political standpoint. When it 
when it's all said and done and when the dust, dust settles on 2016, Bob, what's going to stand out to you politically? What's the, what's the main maybe word or idea that stands out to you from a political standpoint? I think emotion. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of pent-up emotion that they needed to have released. Uh, understandably so, a lot of frustration with their government, uh, with Washington, D.C., and maybe in their state and local governments, but just very, very tired of politics as usual. And as we summarized at the family year, we, we just put out our, our 2016 book about, wow, what a year. And who could have seen this coming? But when people have a lot of pent-up emotion, they're looking for a vehicle to carry that, be their voice, and to basically say, I'm, this is all I can stand, can stand it no more, going in a different direction. So I think really it's the emotion of the, of the American people. Yeah, and that, that uh, definitely uh, makes sense as well. And when you look back on this year and, and you look at this uh, emotion, do you think, do you, do, you have, um, do, you, do you have any hope moving forward that this can kind of be, maybe be bottled up or maybe channeled in a more positive way? Not that, the, not that it wasn't this year, but uh, bottled up and, and channeled in a more positive way moving forward. And if so, what's, what's maybe the, the evidence for that? Well, I really do because I think uh, when people have this bottled up emotion, and they have an opportunity and an avenue or a venue to express it, and they did. And then they they saw victory. Mm-hmm. They saw unprecedented victory across the country. I mean, a lot of times we focus on uh, Donald Trump's win with the presidency. But all throughout the country, I mean, there was unprecedented wins. We, we experienced it right here in Iowa where the legislature, you know, uh, went conservative, went Republican, and all of a sudden, you have a state senate. You have all three chambers that you're in control of now. Well, now that you've won, the dog caught the car, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now what do you do with it? And I really believe that there's a lot of conservatives, now that we've won, quote-unquote, there's going to be a lot of expectations and a lot of immediate expectations because these people with the pent-up emotion also understand that if they don't move in 2017 – in the legislative sessions or in the in the con- congressional session, they're not going to move in 2018. That's an election year. So we're going to see what the first 100 days is like with the Trump-Pence administration. We're going to see what the, the session's like here in the state of Iowa and capitals all across the country. But to see, okay, did the lawmakers really embrace the emotion, and are they willing to lead? And if they're willing to lead, if they're willing to execute, that gives you a lot of hope. Right out of the gate, I think there's two fundamental issues. In terms of the people, most broadly, they need to feel the election of Donald Trump in their pocketbook. So you repeal Obamacare, you get rid of a lot of regulations that help small business. In terms of the politics and what, where the party, how is it going to unite around something going forward? I'm skeptical about uh, Donald Trump's pro-life uh, bona fides, how serious is about that. But just as a pragmatic politician, when it isn't the smartest play to nominate the most pro-life, most conservative, whether I don't think any of us think he is that, but it isn't that just the smartest play right out of the gate? It, it would it, he would be shooting himself in the head if he did anything other than that. Well, there's without question. I, I think uh, Donald Trump's first appointment uh, to the Supreme Court is going to be the one that everybody's going to measure his presidency on, and can we trust him moving forward? And if it is a true constitutionalist judge, a pro-life judge, 
someone who understands the sanctity of the way the founders had designed, whether it be life or marriage or religious liberty or any of these issues, uh, if it were to go a different direction, I think you're going to see, you know, that that emotional high come to an, an automatic low. But if, I think if he appoints the right Supreme Court justice, I think that you're going to look at you got an attorney general and Jeff Sessions. You got the right Supreme Court justice. There's not a whole lot else you can mess up. And even though some of the picks are pretty good, but you know now let's just let's get you through. What's your level of confidence that he does follow through and it's, he nominates somebody that's just unambiguously pro-life? There's not going to be any gray area whatsoever. Well, I believe there's a lot of groups right now who are holding him to account on those words, and I think he and his team understand that these people are looking very deeply at these judges. You take a look at what Andy Shaffley's doing with uh, Eagle Forum. Uh, obviously, his mom was uh, the great Phyllis Shaffley, uh, who passed away last year. But they're looking at, okay, what judges are you going to need to appoint? And I think the, the, the Supreme Court justice is going to be the measuring stick that a lot of conservatives are going to take a look at. Bob, your organization, the Family Leader. Uh, I know Steve has uh, our, our boss, or my boss, Steve has has praised as being, uh, in his words, in his view, one of the few organizations around the country who has had a tremendous track record of moving, of moving uh, issues and moving legislation. And so, go, going forward, how are you encouraging folks, either at the state uh, level or at the national level, to continue to hold politicians? accountable what what are some of the strategies that you're encouraging people to play well it's nothing that would be a lot of rocket science Mm -hmm. Uh, the big one is to be engaged and part of being engaged is staying informed and part of staying informed is listening to to shows like steve's and what you guys are doing here on a nightly basis five nights a week uh, reading the columns that he puts out as well as others put out but just being informed and up to date and then when do we need to engage Uh, because i guarantee you the politicians they still understand when, when people are lining up and they're communicating by phone calls or by letters or by emails or whatever, they are going to listen. Because at the end of the day, they do understand that we are their boss. And we, we hire them as we just did in 2016, but you can also fire them uh, in a primary in 2018 or a general election in 2018. So I think the more voices that can be heard, and to say, this is what we want America to be, and we do not want to leave the founding of this country. I think the more we get engaged, the better it is. I think, now whether people would agree that Donald Trump was the right person that they should have been mobilized for or not, uh, take that uh, out for a second. Right. When the church mobilized, the church had an impact. And when the people of faith voted, Hillary Clinton didn't get to be president. And so you can see, if you stay mobilized, if you see, stay engaged, and be to us, it's always about embrace principles, not politics. We're talking with Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader here, and you mentioned the church and when it's uh, mobilized, and that's where I want to go next after the break because we've been talking about it here on the show. There, there's a great deal of disappointment, and I can only speak from, for, for uh, myself and for some of uh, the words that we've said. There, there's been some disappointment with uh, kind of some of the conduct of uh, Christians that we've uh, looked up to around the country. But at the same time, as you just said, when the church is mobilized, we can really do some um, some uh, some great things, and you saw that in the the, the, the turnout that was uh, the evangelical vote and the vote of of the church at large. That's what I want to talk about uh, when we come back here with Bob Vanderplatz. What did you learn from the state of the church in 2016? Again, you're listening to the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. 
Steve is uh, out. Uh, he's on his customary end-of-year vacation. I'm Aaron McIntyre, his producer, along with uh, Todd Erzin, Steve's web editor and good friend of the show, uh, Bob Vanderplatz. We'll have more. Stay tuned in just a few minutes. Listening to Steve Dace. Listening to it will make you feel American. Glory, glory, hallelujah. It's the Steve Dace Show. Back on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Steve is out. I'm his producer, Aaron McIntyre, filling in along with Todd Erzin. Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader, good friend of the show, is uh, with us, uh, despite uh, Steve being out this evening. And it's a joy, of course, to have you on, Bob. And we're taking a look back at the year that was in 2016. Mm -hmm. What's maybe one thing you learned about the spiritual state of the United States and maybe one thing you learned about the church? Those are probably hand in hand, but if there is a distinction there, what'd you learn? Well, I think uh, regarding the spiritual state of the United States, as I view it from an evangelical standpoint, I think there's a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a great opportunity to present a biblical worldview, not only to a watching culture, but to the church as a whole. You know, what is a biblical worldview? Uh, I think we're lacking in that area. And what does it mean to be an evangelical, somebody who's very open and willing to share the faith? Uh, because of what we celebrate at Christmas time, God's ultimate love for us, that he would send his one and his only son, uh, not only to be born for us and not only to live for us, but to die for us and then to be raised again for us, that we can have eternal salvation in it. So uh, I think there's a great opportunity with the church uh, as a whole. And I think on the political side about when the church gets mobilized, I think the church understands, especially looking back at this election, Boy, we we definitely can have a voice here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if the purpose of government, according to God's design, is to administer justice, basically to determine what is right and what is wrong, if the church is to remove its voice from the culture, well, then who gets to determine what is right and what is wrong, and where is the plumb line of what is right, or is it just up to Todd and up to Aaron and up to Bob and up to Steve to determine what is right and what is wrong? That's absolute chaos. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. But there has to be a higher calling, a higher purpose, and to us, that is the Scriptures, that's God's Word, and God's design. Since you've sat in the room, had many private conversations with the man Donald Trump, one of my concerns is, just just as with Trump cult, he has it well within his sights. He understands the church and the state of the church all too well, and it's not something he has any plan to, to be a part of other than to manipulate it. That Now, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's a, it's, a, it's a concern I have because he understands that we are about a mile wide but an inch deep in many respects, and if he can just, and we're hungry, we want something more, we want, want something other than Hillary, but in, you know, in terms of how we're really doing with this Jesus guy, you know, it seems like we are. We can put him on the shelf as long as we get our 
our secular W's that we want. How do, because you have that personal experience, how do we need to make sure that Donald Trump, besides the obvious, we aren't manipulated in that fashion by President Donald Trump? Well, first of all, I think uh, what I can tell you about uh, the person, uh, Donald Trump, versus, say, the president-elect Trump, is Donald Trump is, I think, legitimately still searching. I think he's very much intrigued about uh, us as people of faith. I do think you're right. I think very quickly, I mean, he's very good about different markets and different segments to understand what's the status, what's the current status of them. And yet at the same time, I think he understands that the power that lies within there. So I really believe for me, Todd, I've, I have visited with people that are uh, close to him from a faith perspective, of people that I, I respect. And I've, I've talked very openly to them that I think the one thing that uh, Mr. Trump uh, needs to grasp is that he did not win this election. Uh, matter of fact, from all vantage points, Steve's included, and anybody else that's an expert in this field included, Frank Luntz or whoever you want to point to, they all had it wrong. Trump and the Trump team thought they were going to lose going into election night. And what happened was, I really believe God intervened. The people of the church mobilized. And because of that, Trump was able to win. So to me, when you understand that, as a person of faith, when you understand, hey, I didn't do this, but God did this, now all of a sudden it allows you a great degree of humility and a great degree of I'm now leading for him and for his purpose, God's purpose, not me and my purpose. It completely changes everything. Now, I'm not saying that uh, Donald Trump gets that yet, but I think key people that surround him need to keep reminding him, you were placed in position for such a time as this. Now, we're going to stand by you. We're going to encourage you, but we're also going to challenge you. If you're if you're doing things that are outside of God's design, a very simple question. So you feel you're one of those sort of people. Do you you really feel you were listened to by him? Without question. Matter of fact, uh, when I was in his office uh, doing a one on one meeting in late May, uh, I walked him through Exodus eighteen twenty one about who God says we should select as our leaders: men that are capable, men that fear God, men that are trustworthy. Men that hate dishonest gain. We walked through all that. He took notes on that. I also talked to him about the need for a Lincoln versus a Reagan. And Lincoln, not only did he surround himself with a team of rivals, but Lincoln also led this country to repentance, uh, basically repenting of our national sin. And even though Donald Trump may not feel like he's at, not at that point in his faith yet, you never know what happens in your presidency that might get you to that point very quickly of saying we need to repent as a people. And so, uh, and then, you know, I also talked to him about making Jesus the Lord of his life. Because um, he, he has told me, you know, that he, he's accepted Christ as a Savior, but now make him Lord of your life. Okay? Because it doesn't come in a ninth grade confirmation paper, you know, because of the church you attended. It's actually having a personal relationship and making him the Lord of your life. Talking with Bob Vanderplatz uh, from The Family Leader, a good friend of the show here uh, tonight on The Steve Dace Show. Taking a look back at the year that was in 2016, getting his uh, perspective on uh, things that we learned about the church, things that we learned about the, the spiritual state of our nation, uh, and things that we learned uh, politically when uh, those two things uh, come together. 
and uh, get engaged in the culture and, and engaged in politics. What I want to do uh, coming up in a couple of minutes, Bob, is I want to take a look forward. I want to take a look forward to the year 2017 and maybe get your perspective again on what specific things you're looking for or that you'll be working on uh, with the family leader. And I want to get uh, your perspective, as I said, on that next. You're on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Listening to Steve Dace. So, what if I told you every phone call you make is helping to fund progressive causes and politicians like Planned Parenthood and Hillary Clinton? You'd probably stop making phone calls, right? Well, the fact is, your current phone carrier is using your money to undermine your beliefs, and there are progressive radical liberal phone companies spending tens of millions of dollars to remove conservative leaders from office and fight for liberal social change. So, what's a patriot like you to do? Well, you can start by calling my friends at Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers nationwide talk and text, high-speed 4G LTE data at competitive prices, and donates up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization of your choice. You get the same quality service, competitive prices, and you get to help causes you believe in. Call Patriot Mobile right now at 800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve at checkout and receive $35 in free activation fees for up to two lines. Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT or go to PatriotMobile.com. Mention promo code Steve. If you believe in lots of free handouts, this is probably not your show. What is it? Do you want more money? It's the Steve Day Show. Back on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network, sans Steve Day. I'm his producer, Aaron McIntyre, along with Totters and his web editor, Joined this hour by our good uh, friend, Bob Vanderplatz of The Family Leader, taking a look back at uh, what we learned about the church and what we learned about the spiritual state of the United States and what we learned politically in 2016, now shifting our eyes towards the future, towards the new year in 2017. And Bob, um, just a, a broad question. Uh, what are you going to be uh, working on for, first and foremost in the year 2017? Or is that, or those plans just kind of come together for you as as the year goes on? No, I think uh, when we talk about pent-up emotion, mm-hmm. uh, even here at the Family Leader, we've had a lot of pent-up emotion. <laughs> Understood. Uh, Chuck Hurley, uh, our vice president here at the Family Leader, has been in this a long time, and he said this is uh, 26 years of pent-up emotion. Right. I think, first of all, at the, the federal level, Aaron, is the famous words back when Bill Clinton was running for president. Uh, James Carville said, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Right. Uh, in this election, I think it was, it's the Supreme Court, stupid. It's mm-hmm. all about the Supreme Court. So going back to a conversation Todd and I had in the first segment, who's he going to appoint? And I really believe not only should it be somebody, as, as Todd talked about, with, with exceptional pro-life credentials and street cred, I think it needs to be somebody who has kind of built themselves a name around conservative principles and ideas. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge champion of Ted Cruz for that appointment. And the reason is people aren't going to have to wonder, well, who is this Ted Cruz guy? 
You know Ted Cruz went to bat for us on religious liberty. You know he went to bat for us on the sanctity of human life. You know he went to bat for us on marriage. You know he went to bat on all these issues, the Second Amendment. and He's tested, and he's got a name already. I think it'd be great if he said Ted Cruz or Mike Lee, somebody like that would be my Supreme Court nominee. Because then what it would do is that, I mean, there would be celebration in the streets, as well as probably some rioting in the streets, but celebration about appointing a guy like Ted Cruz to the Supreme Court. So we're going to look very closely at that. We're going to hold him to his ground on repealing the Johnson Amendment, which really would be a great step forward for religious liberty across the country. And then, of course, there's a lot of other promises that were made that we'll look at as well. But at the state level, uh, we look at passing a personhood legislation in regards for the sanctity of human life, that life would begin at conception and then at natural death, and to get all the life groups on board to make sure that um, the legislators or the executive branch doesn't see a weak, in, uh, a weak link in our armor, that we're confused, but that we're all together on this. I think religious liberty, so we don't see more Gertz houses get sued out of business uh, because they, infor- they, they refuse to celebrate a wedding that they disagree with and use their place of business for that. I think we're going to look at school choice legislation. That's also Trump has, has championed as well about school choice and putting Betsy DeVos as the director of the, or the, the head of the Department of Education, Secretary of Education. She's been a big school choice proponent. And then Trump has also been on record of repealing Common Core. We'd like to see Common Core repealed here as well in the state of Iowa. So you take a look at school choice, and you take a look at religious liberty, and you take a look at the sanctity of human life. And then there's so many other things, as, as Todd mentioned. Repeal Obamacare. You know, let's make some, some good economic moves as well. And also let's build this military to show the rest of the world our strength. And let's get some wins not only with business and enterprise, but let's get some wins regarding the defeat of ISIS, and people are trying to terrorize us. In terms of the machinery of how you do all that, your organization and organizations like you across the entire country have had to do some soul-searching because of what you just saw in 2016. I mean, like, this world does not look the same, this, this American political world. How much differently will 2017 look in terms of operationally how you go out and get what you want based on what you learned and how much of it will be business as usual? Well, it better not be business as usual. If it's business as usual, then they did not get the message. Uh, matter of fact, whether it be in Iowa or whether it be in a lot of states that are, are airing this program right now or whether it be in Washington, D.C., Republicans are in control. They have an opportunity to deliver. The Democrats can't stop them. And so it's a thing of... So organizations like yours, will, will they be more aggressive? Without question, will be more aggressive. Why? Because now the people wearing our jersey are in charge. And they can run the floor. They, 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 they don't have to worry about the Democrats right now. I think the biggest dilemma is going to be is the balance of expectations from conservative organizations or conservatives across the board in this country. And how do you prioritize and deliver? But if it becomes politics as usual, business as usual, you know, now you got a whole nother uh, thing on your hands. I think it's called primaries. All right. Bob Vanderplatz from the uh, Family Leader. Can you hang on for one more segment? Sure can. All right. Thank you. We'll have more with uh, Bob uh, from the Family Leader in just a minute here on the Steve Day Show. You're listening to Steve Dace.
Some people work for what they get, and some people ask for Uncle Sam to give it to them. Hello, but I deserve it. Decide who you want to be and listen to the Steve Day Show. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. And welcome back to the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review. On the Salem Radio Network, we're talking this hour with uh, Bob Vanderplatz from The Family Leader, good friend of the show. And Bob, in this last segment, I want to begin by asking you, if you had to set a New Year's resolution for the church in America, what would that New Year's resolution be? Probably like a lot of Americans' resolution, that is get healthy, get in shape. I'm not just talking about physical shape and balanced nutrition. But uh, when I say get healthy, uh, let's get back to the Word of God. Uh, Let's don't be swept away by the culture. The church's job is to transform the culture. And too much of the church has been transformed by the culture. So instead of the church transforming the culture, the culture is transforming the church. That's not the way it was meant to be. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go according to His principles, His precepts. Turn the hearts back to God, His righteousness. And give him all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. So I would say, first and foremost, keep the main thing the main thing. Two is, uh, it's, it's Christmas season, we talk and we sing in a hymn, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and it says, God and sinner reconciled. You know, at the heart of this is reconciliation. Uh, taking sinners and reconciling them, saying, you know what, uh, you're forgiven of your sins. Why? Because I died on the cross. Why? Because I conquered death and I rose, rose from the grave. This reconciliation. I think it'd be good if, if Christians across the board would reconcile. Reconcile with one another. Ask for forgiveness where forgiveness needs to be, be asked for. Repent of sins that, you know, that I need to repent of and others need to repent of. And say, okay, let's be unified. That was Christ's final prayer. In Matthew 17 was about unity. Why? So that they would believe that God and, and the Son are one because they would see a church being one. The church has been too divided. But you can't be united just for unity's sake. You got to be united around something. Around something is the Word of God again. You know, that's where we find our strength. That's where we find our unity. So I would hope that the church would get healthy and that the pulpits would be inflamed again with the pursuit of righteousness, which to Tocqueville said, which I always found interesting that Hillary, Hillary was quoting to Tocqueville. Mm-hmm. You know, the only reason we're great is because we're good. You know, taking the moral high ground. Or to Tocqueville said, hey, you know, the, the, the beauty of America, the brilliance of America, what sets America apart is what's happening in its pulpits. Get the church healthy again. One of the ironies of that is that we as Christians, in, come, in getting healthy, we need to pick better fights and fight them more aggressively. I mean, a Christian fight, a fight for truth. And we have taken compromise as far as it's going to go. Actually, we did that decades ago. Now we've just been used as stooges. Isn't there something to, as Christians, fighting a better fight? Oh, oh, sure there is. About being more strategic, of course there is. But more aggressive, too, just not pulling your your Christian punches. And the thing it is, and you can, the reason you can speak truth and you can speak truth in love, love. and love is not a weak term. Love is a strong term. But by speaking truth in love, the reason you speak truth in love is because truth 
You, you don't have to make up make up the the game as it goes. You don't have to make up the the boundaries as it goes because the truth is the truth. And so Jesus talked to us about that. Jesus also said, hey, "Listen, I've got to be about my Father's business." That's it. If you're going to be about your father's business, you need to take your father's business very serious. And that doesn't mean you use the Bible to beat people up with a club. No. No. But you use it as a sword the way it was meant to be used so it can penetrate. And then people can be drawn to it. So I think that is the opportunity for the church. I really do. I think that I I really, when I say I want the church to be healthy, I mean that. I want the church to be healthy again. And we don't have to worry about, you know, a church that doesn't even know the Word of God. You know, they get saturated with the Word of God. Well said, Bob. Uh, well, this is the last time we'll have you on the show this year. We really appreciate it. I'm glad it. you said this year. I thought, oh, no, what did I do? Uh, this year, this we're really, in, in behalf of all of us, and I know I can speak for Steve as well, we really appreciate your contr- contributions each and every uh, Monday night. It's really a blast having you on every week. And so uh, thank you very much, and Merry Christmas. Well, thank you. Appreciate you guys a ton, and Merry Christmas to you as well. God bless you. Merry Christmas, Bob. Well, Todd, as we... Um, Wrap up this uh, segment with Bob here. I want to go back to something he said just a little bit ago uh, about uh, love. And I know that Steve has has talked about the, the real meaning of love, that it is a motivation. It's it's not some sort of ethereal feeling. It is a motivation for why one does what they do. And it's not soft either, uh, kind of dovetailing off of what you and Bob were talking about. What's the verse that Steve signs off with every night? John three seventeen. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, the, but that uh, through him the world might be saved. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him might be saved. That was a pretty harsh love. The Savior that we're celebrating, the Savior whose birth that we're celebrating this season, just uh, around 30 years, uh, had 30 years on this uh, planet. And he died a terrible death, all because his father in heaven loved him. That's a very harsh love, or that that uh, or his father in heaven loved us. It's a very uh, that's a very hard love to understand. But I'm glad that you brought that up. That we should be able to th- to show godly love to the culture, and that that love doesn't just look like acquiescing and capitulating to everything that they do. Sometimes it's got to be hard, and sometimes it's going to be unpleasant for them. It's going to be unpleasant for us, but it's what we have to do sometimes. Well, and amen. Thank God we have such an uncompromising love, because none of, none of us, myself included, would have a shot without it. It it is relentless in its pursuit of my best self. Because you know who isn't that? Me. Mm-hmm. At how many moments in my life? Uh, so we, I, I pray we are that we. I, I think we are we are living in the time of the prophets, and I pray we have uh, good ones. This is reflective of uh, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, who you read those chapter after chapter after chapter, and there are high highs and low, 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 low lows. All of it, though, is brutally honest in love. Amen. Well, that's uh, putting wraps on our conversation with uh, Bob Vanderplatz. We'll have more in just a minute on the Steve Dace Show. You're listening to Steve Dace.
what's yours? Resurrection. He's bringing back the American way. It's Steve Dace. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap Just as God gave us the greatest gift in Jesus that first Christmas, we have an opportunity to give our greatest Christmas gift this year when we can bring the gospel to a refugee child. Again, these are children. They are innocents. They are caught in the crosshairs of a humanitarian crisis, of, of, of war, of terrorism. And, and we can reach them right where they're at through our partners at Heart for Lebanon. We can reach children like Maley. Bombs explode. Fathers and brothers are lost to war or kidnapped. Mothers flee with their children to the nearest safe country. For many, that country is Lebanon. 52% of refugees in Lebanon are under the age of 18. This is an overwhelming number. Too many innocent eyes have witnessed horrible things done to their families and friends. The majority of these children have been in Lebanon for several years. They cannot attend local schools. However, they are eager to go back to the classroom and learn. Heart for Lebanon's Children at Risk Initiative is designed to meet their educational, emotional, and spiritual needs. This initiative has three hope centers that provide the much-needed education and love that these children are missing. The hope centers teach basic English, Arabic, and math, but more importantly, teach the love of Jesus Christ. For the first time, they are learning biblical character traits that help them live in community with others. Taking a child from a refugee camp to a classroom in a hope center provides a safe and loving environment where children can learn. After several months of being loved on and cared for, children respond by returning the love and looking forward to each day at the hope center. Many children have asked Jesus Christ to be their savior and have become the light in the midst of darkness to the rest of their family, introducing them to Jesus Christ. For just $98, your one-time gift can reach 18 children just like Maley with the gospel. That's the best $98 you're ever going to spend. Call Heart for Lebanon right now, 844-441-9966. That's 844-441-9966. Or you can go to my website at stevedace.com. Click on the Heart for Lebanon banner right there on my website, D E A C E. At stevedace.com. One more time, that number is 844 441 9966. Listening to Steve Dace.
you are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Hour three of the Steve Day Show is underway on a Monday night. Steve, as I have been reminding you all evening, is uh, gone. He is on his customary end-of-year vacation, getting some much-deserved R&R. My name's Aaron McIntyre. I'm, uh, I'm his producer, along with uh, Todd Erzin, uh, Steve's web editor, uh, along for the ride as well. If you uh, have something to say to us, you can say them to us by uh, emailing me, Aaron at stevedace.com, or by following either Todd or I on uh, Twitter, at Dace Producer and at Dace Online. Or if you want to talk to Steve as well, you can uh, email him, steve at stevedace.com. Find him on Facebook by searching for Steve Dace or on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. It's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. It's that time that I can ask any snotty questions that I want to, provided I actually answer them myself. And since it's just Todd and I, it's, it's a bit of a lightning round. I've got five questions tonight, if I did my math correctly. I didn't do my math correctly. I only have four questions, <laughs> but they should take up enough time. Uh, question one, it comes from Matthew, who gave his uh, submitted his questions to Aaron at stevedace.com, which you can do as well. He asks, church doctrine is simply not being followed. The gospel has been twisted, contorted, manipulated, and interpreted to meet the desires of man. What happened to teaching repentance, election, grace, and how sin insults and angers God? Do we need a revival or reformation? I think the answer to that question is yes. yes. But revival, and I'll, I'll start for it first, and you, you probably have deeper thoughts than I do on this, but uh, I, revival starts not with the outside. It starts with you. It starts with you, and if you are a Christian, you're part of the church. And so it starts with you uh, first and foremost by a, you know, a personal revival, and then that works its way through the church, and then the church changes culture. This is something that I got wrong at least in my thinking, and maybe I didn't consciously know it was wrong for a while, but I always thought revival was like, you heathens out there, you need to come to Jesus, when it's really incumbent upon us to change our hearts, to change our attitudes, to understand, as Matthew said, that sin really is sin. Sin separates us from God forever. To a, you know, it sends us to a very hot place forever. Uh, so that's, that's what I would say. Revival, for, first and foremost, starts with self then the church, and then the culture. So don't get st stuck in this thinking, well, uh, all of the pagans need to come to Jesus. It starts with you. What do you say, Todd? Well, do you, what do you read, first of all, as the distinction he's making between Reformation 
and revival. Is he? And that's, are that's, we going back? That's important. That's probably important to note. The, the, the distinction that I got is revival is um, he's probably making a distinction without a difference, without really knowing it. Revival being um, a cultural revival and Reformation being a church-wide revival when there's really no, in my mind, oh, there's okay. no di- uh, that, distinction. That's kind of where I was. I wanted to make sure before I went off on a, a Catholic rant. As, as the token Catholic here, listen, I, I don't think we needed a Reformation in the uh, first place to the extent that it, it played out. But we absolutely, uh, back then when Martin Luther uh, nailed up the, his theses up on uh, on the door, uh, we absolutely needed revival at that point. We, the church has needed revival at many uh, points throughout its history. I mean, a hundred there's there's... John Huss and, and John uh, Wycliffe were the precursors of uh, Martin Luther, uh, and they lived uh, roughly 100 years before he did. So th- it, it, it didn't suddenly blow up right then with Martin Luther. This is this is an ongoing op- uh, um, process, and so revival, yes, absolutely. Reformation in terms of the church, we uh, tend to end up creating our own problems. Uh, when we go into what I what I think he's talking about in terms of reformation, it ends up becoming this Rube Goldberg machine where we mm-hmm. we create more things, and it's basically ultimately it is we're building a tower of Babel of sorts. The church has when, been really good at that. I mean, things. ever since ever Protestant since and times, Catholic. Yes. So I would say revival. I, to me, reformation is this thing that plods forward unnecessarily. Reformation is, uh, excuse me, a revival is this wonderful time machine that takes us right back to the very essence of Christ and his disciples and helps us to take that in the current moment. Well said. Question two, Larry asks, and this is a bit of a long one with a, quite a bit of a, um, a lot of background here. I'll try to get through it. It's often said is that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. While this may be true, what is equally true, and perhaps even more important to address, is that is it the almost the most uh, also the most vulnerable hour in America? Now, Larry gives some background. My wife and I recently left a church over the issue of total absence of congregational security. This was shortly after the nightclub attack in Paris and the San Bernardino terrorist incident. It had been brewing for a long time, but this pushed us mostly me over the edge. Keep in mind, I am one of those who will never go swimming in the ocean again after seeing Jaws. Vivid, overreactive imagination, perhaps? Uh, it was confirmed to me as an issue needing to be addressed when I explained our decision to an acquaintance who infrequently attended our services, mostly for Christmas and Easter cantatas. She had just said she had been thinking of the same thing. Everyone sitting with their backs to the door, typically nobody watching for threats, and doors left wide open. Sitting ducks. Now, to kind of tie this in a bow, do you think that congregational security is a valid reason to leave a church? Broadly speaking, absolutely not. Hyper-specifically speaking, maybe a particular church that has particular threats against it. I don't know. Then you can you need to um, be a grown-up and reason if that's the place for you and your family. But broadly speaking, no. You you've just described the mall, the grocery store, any number of places. They don't have security. You're not there. You're not prepared to deal with a crazed uh, gunman. So, you know, I, listen, it's, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that he admitted out front that he kind of 
is prone to mm-hmm. uh, flights of fancy. And so yes, you need to be reasonably comfortable. But this this is this is the world we live in now. You, you basically just described every church everywhere. I mean, I so I suppose some of them, some of the large ones, I don't know, might have their own security based on threat that they've had in the past, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah, but, my uh, my church has. Uh, I mean, they've coordinated with all the law enforcement or ex law enforcement that currently attends, and I, I know that that's maybe not an option for smaller churches as well. But I think that's becoming a bigger, bigger and bigger deal, just from what I've seen and. And read from different churches. If if are you done with your? your I just thought? this guy's describing a world that basically he's he's going to have to not be able to leave his basement, uh, and that's you can't live like that. Yeah, I mean this is this is the world that we live in now, um, but it's also not exactly the world that we've never not lived in. I mean, in the United States, for almost its entire history up until this point, or relatively recently, you could go to church and you could feel very very safe. But guess what? That That's not true of the church throughout history. That's not true of the church in the Middle That's certainly not true of the church in the Middle East. But whether or not you're in China or whether or not you're in America, in, um, you know, in the heartland or in the Bible Belt, you're still going to gather together. You still need not forsake the gathering together, as is the habit of so many. And whether that's really dangerous like it is in the Middle East or in China, or whether it's relatively safe like it is here in the United States, um, yes, that's a valid concern, but it's not, It's not. I don't think, enough of a concern to just leave a church yeah. altogether. What a great point uh, of identifying with the uh, Middle Eastern Christians. And quite frankly, you know, you take whatever anxiety you have, go into that church and offer it up as a prayer on behalf yeah. of the Middle Eastern yeah. Christians. Bear that cross because you're not facing anything like they are. Well, Amen. great point, Aaron. Amen. Uh, last question, actually. Uh, only three questions and three questions tonight. Uh, which, and this comes from me, which is the greater dude code violation? Failing to call out another dude for violating the dude code or spending way too much of your attention looking for dude code violations? Spending way too much of your attention <laughs> looking because that that is a violation. Yeah, that's an absolute violation of the dude code. This is supposed to be a sort of a a gut organic thing it's not some nerd checklist that you're going See, around. there's there's a word for those who spend way too much time looking for faults in others dude code or not and it's a word that i can't say on the radio so i'm with you we'll have the nightly buzz uh, coming up next on the steve day show saying steve day stick around Listening to Steve Dace. Don't mind us, there's only the future of the country at stake. You're listening to Steve Dace. Something completely different. We need to have a talk about an excursus on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. You see, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. And even when our boss is not here, on any given night, there's just too much going on in the uh, wide world of stuff uh, that uh, we just don't have time to cover it in a typical show. That's what this segment is for. 
I uh, have spent the, uh, the the majority of today just breathing down your neck. By the way, why does your neck smell like cotton candy? That's, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, but that's what I've done for most of the day, breathing down your neck, uh, trying to figure out what you're talking about with your coworkers. That is the nightly buzz. Uh, I have the stories, and we'll both uh, provide our hot takes tonight. Starting with story number one, a senior Republican congressman called for an investigation into whether the head of the CIA leaked to the media while withholding from Congress the agency's findings that Russia, or that Russians, used hacking in an attempt to help Donald Trump win the presidency. This uh, congressman said, we have supposedly CIA director John Brennan leaking information to the Washington Post to a biased newspaper like the New York Times, findings and conclusions that he's not telling the House Intelligence Committee, that is, Representative Peter King, in an interview with ABC News' Martha Raddatz on this week. I found this story remarkable. Set aside the, the, the specific charges, but just take the issue as broadly as possible. If you have the, the nation's top spies giving information to the media before Congress. Mm -hmm. I I know there's a legal technical term for for treason, but you are very close to dancing in that world when you are using intelligence in in a fashion like this it, it, to to manipulate truth. It it's a it's a it's a it's also a form of propaganda. Mm -hmm. You're trying to get spin on it before you're actually trying to get something tr resembling truth or security. I, I can't say. I mean, I think this is the kind of thing we would hang people for at the founding of our country. So I again, now we'd have to go at specifics. Maybe there's more smoke than actual fire here. Fine, but when I read this the first time, I had to read it again. I think I cannot believe yeah. this is true. There is, in my mind, and this is off the cuff, I just opened up um, some of these uh, these stories very recently, but off the cuff, there is treason, and then there is systemic dysfunction. I think what we're looking at right now, and we saw this with the Comey case, uh, supposedly closing uh, the email investigation in July and then reopening it at 10 days before the election. Okay, that's that, that's weird. But that says that that's just screams dysfunction. This also screams systemic dysfunction because there's there are rogue agents, and we've dealt with those in our nation's history before, especially during the time around the Cold War. Um, that that's treasonous. But it appears more and more that this dysfunction is just everywhere. I mean, you cannot even even in these in some of these agencies like the CIA and the FBI, who are supposedly some of the most uh, American uh, America first agencies or at least they're supposed to be it just seems like this is just going down the tube I apologize I just assumed that systemic uh, dysfunction was implied at this point yeah that's true <laughs> yeah good point uh, it used to appear so simple for many of us you were a boy or you were a girl but don't tell that to National Geographic and Katie Couric they combined forces for a new two-hour documentary Gender Revolution, A Journey with Katie Couric, premiering <laughs> Monday, February 6th at 9-8 or 9-8 Central. Um, fresh off of Couric's lies about gun owners, the special will also 
air on the National Geographic around the globe in 171 countries and 45 languages. Uh, I don't know about you, Todd, but I think I'll take my journeys with um, with somebody else. And understandable. Yeah. And and again, can't emphasize enough. Katie Kirk, the last time she did a documentary. She flat out got caught. But we don't talk about that. Lying we, we about gun owners by how she spliced uh, tape. I would say, and there's a the, the cover of the actual National Geographic has got this pink-haired. I'm not sure if it actually is a boy or a girl, but 13 years old, I think. That's their cover model. Uh, that's child abuse. Th- th- that's not something to be uh, celebrated. So I would say though, the, yeah, go ahead. Don't. I would just say, I understand the impulse not to watch it. But it's important to know thy enemy. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things that I'm not going to go out of way to make sure I watch it. But I, if I'm not doing anything else, and I may hunt it down afterwards, because it, it, it could, the, manip, the level of manipulation and lying and denial of science by the so-called reasonable and scientific people, it's going to be important to see and understand. Agreed. And I saw this cover of the National Geographic, and that just... Poor child. Um, here's the thing. You're absolutely right that it is child abuse. That kid's parents either hate their own child or they have something very, very wrong with their head or both. That's that's the only thing because they're living in some sort of different different reality. I, I, I just I, I don't blame that child at all. I mean, this is, uh, as you said, this is child abuse. It is sad. Next story, the website Salon has published its year-end article commemorating the top 10 abortion moments on television. Oh, it gets better. Yes, it always gets better. The article opens, at least it's been a good year to talk about abortion. Until recently, primetime television has had a skittish relationship with reproductive choice. Never, ever, 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 ever let anybody talk to you about abortion and their desire to have it safe, legal, and rare. We are living in Romans 1 territory now. This is their sacrament. Mm-hmm. And they are dancing around that maypole with a great bloody smile on their face. Don't let them ever dodge that. That's their reality. Make them own it. Your friends, your relatives, yes, it doesn't have to happen while you're eating the Christmas ham. But don't let them get away with the scam that they're really trying to limit abortions. They're not. And I like you throwing that in. Don't don't necessarily have to do it over the Christmas ham, but I, it's this is one of the more we we talk about three dimensional thinking on this show, um, understanding why you believe what you believe, others understanding why others believe what they believe, and then understanding why others believe what they believe about what you believe. This is one of the easiest easiest issues to be able to argue, and I'm not saying you're yelling argue i'm just saying in a philosophical uh, discussion about what it is because it is murder there's there's no defensible position to what they're advocating right um what they're advocating in abortion because it is murder and that makes it one of the easiest things to argue about or at least it should be if you have conviction that'll do it for uh, the nightly buzz uh, when we come back it has been a nice month of schadenfreude, uh, watching the left positively melt down over the election of Donald Trump. What we haven't talked about or celebrated maybe enough is kicking the Marxist out of the, web- out of the White House. We'll do that next on the Steve Day Show.
listening to Steve Dace. How about we try that whole life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness thing again? Hmm. This is Steve Dace. Welcome back to the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Hour 3 on a Monday continues. You know, as if the uh, schadenfreude, that is the left's and the snowflakes' reaction to Donald Trump winning the uh, election earlier this fall, as if that was not enough schadenfreude, pure schadenfreude, because it is the gift that keeps on giving. Well, coming up in about 10 minutes, uh, we're going to go inside and, and have a little bit more fun as we kick the uh, Marxists who currently occupies that one house on Pennsylvania Avenue, as we have a little bit of fun kicking him out of office. Jerome Corsi will be joining us in a little bit, and he's written a new parody book called Goodnight Obama. He's actually read this story out loud. This is what it sounds like, and we'll be talking with him about it in just a few minutes. Good night, Obama. In the great Oval Room, there are many memories, leaving a leftist legacy, binding America with charisma, forcing government-run health care on the greatest nation, and websites crash on implementation. The evil ISIS, once called a JV team, and Hillary's classified emails printed by the Ream. Can I get no detainees exchanged for AWOL crybabies? Crocodile tears over gun restrictions. And the IRS targeting conservatism. Good night, safety. Let's open the borders. Good night, Constitution, by executive order. Good night, brave men in uniform with half-hearted salute. Good night, Israel, whom we deeply offended. Farewell, betrayed voters, campaign promises rescinded. Good night, talk shows, celebrity whoring now done. And good night to all those clinging to their Bibles and their guns. Good night birth certificate of unknown source. Good night jobs without any remorse. Good night Benghazi and the valiant lives there claimed. Good night online video, the scapegoat to blame. Good night, Putin. Good night, Kim Jong-un. Good night, Rose Garden. Good night, Wings East and West. 
Good night, rainbow victories. Good night, ten trillion in new record-breaking debt. Good night, eight years of fundamental change. Good night, voters. Twice believing what I said. Hello, Hawaii, where I'll now rest my head. Good night, America. Good night, Obama. And that is the voice of Dr. Jerome Corsi, who will be our guest here on the Steve Day Show in just a few minutes. Again, as I said before, uh, the Schadenfreude that has happened for those who consider themselves conservatives at the reaction of the left to last month's reaction in the past month has been uh, just the gift that keeps on giving. And now one more opportunity to um, kind of throw some shade, to say the least, at our outgoing Marxist-in-chief, as he does indeed vacate the White House. Why do it in this way, though? Well, Dr. Corsi, as I said, will be joining us in the next segment to talk about just that and the legacy that uh, President Obama will be leaving on the United States. All that and more coming up in just a few minutes on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Of course, Steve is out. I'm his producer, Aaron McIntyre. Stick around. We'll have more in just a little bit. Listening to Steve Dace. The time to fight is now. Always the Steve Day Show. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Welcome back to the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. And we are indeed having ourselves a merry little Christmas because this is the last Christmas that we have to put up with the Marxist in the White House. As we just played some of the audio a few minutes ago of Dr. Jerry Corsi, who is a senior staff writer and author over with World Net Daily. He's written this new parody book called Good Night Obama. A parody, and he joins us now on our guest line, uh, Dr. Corsi. Thank you so much for joining the Steve Dace Show. How are you, sir? I'm great. Good to be with you. Thank you very much. Well, that's good to have you on with us. Now, I like Schadenfreude just as much as the next guy, and it's been a, just the gift that keeps on giving after Donald Trump's uh, win last month in the election. The, the the reaction and the overreaction on the left. I mean, it's just it's it's entertaining. I mean, it's mind-numbingly just. It, it makes me angry, but it's it's entertainment at the same time. This is kind of in the same vein where we get to kind of, you know, throw in one last kick at the Marxist in the White House and Barack Obama before he leaves. And you've kind of done this in your parody book, Good Night Obama. Why'd you do it this way, though? Well, I decided we really got to have the last laugh. I mean, we've gone through eight years of Barack Obama and, you know, what I consider many of his ridiculous policies. 
So I thought I would do, it's like, you know, Good Night Moon. I would, the book was around a few years ago. I'd do Good Night Obama. And uh, it's a parody, it's a cartoon book. Make it fun. Uh, it rhymes. You know, on the cover of the book is, and you can see goodnightobama.com. You can take a look at what the book looks like, and it's also on Amazon.com. You can see some pictures of the book and descriptions of it. Uh, but the Goodnight Obama starts with Obama sleeping, you know, the front cover. He's sleeping on his desk. He's got the cartoon figure is, you know, blue pajamas, Democratic donkeys all over them, his footy pajamas and his head cap pajamas. And uh, he's sleeping on the Oval Office desk. Of course, he's got a cigarette burning in the ashtray on the desk. Right. And his golf clubs are conveniently by the desk. You look out through the window behind the desk, and you see the uh, Muslim moon in the sky. And that's how good night Obama starts. But but Dr. Corsi, he's the most, he's still, uh, last I checked, the most uh, popular domestic politician in the United States. I mean, you can't really get away with uh, with making fun of him, can you? I mean, this this can't all be oh, true. Oh, sure. I mean, we could always... It's, you know, I, I was raised by the uh, World War II generation, and they made fun of everything. I mean, they... You know, the old Jack Parr show and Steve Allen. I mean, they could... It ridicules part of the American character and tradition. And, you know, the left wants this political correctness and, you know, the you know intolerance for everything's hate speech. I just don't buy that. I think we can ridicule, we can laugh at things, we can laugh at ourselves. Uh, that's what makes America, one of the things that helps make America great is that we do have a good, healthy uh, sense of humor and ability to laugh at ourselves. Yeah, and I, I I would agree with that. I think that is I think that's an American thing. Unfortunately, most people in my generation, especially in the universities, they will melt if you laugh at them. They they love to laugh with people, or they love to laugh at conservatives. But but, they love to laugh at people in the yeah. universities. This is <laughs> yes. the intolerant left. They've been taught, you know, they, they we're raising a generation that does not know anything about American history, doesn't understand the First Amendment. First Amendment was meant to protect robust speech, including speech you don't like to hear. And, uh, of course, you'll go on my Amazon uh, doc, you know, Amazon page, you'll see Good, good Night Obama, and there'll be people calling me a hater, and mm. books should never be published. Well, you know, this is the, these are the same people who are saying the Russians stole the election, and, uh, you know, can't get over the fact that Hillary lost. Get over it. You know, we've got to be, I mean, look, got a picture here of Jeremiah Wright, you know, He's in the farmyard. He's feeding the chicken, the roosters. You know, the Jeremiah writes one who said the roosters will come home to roost. Remember his famous right, right. You know, GD America statement. Well, so the roosters, of course, have their little ISIS flags, and they've got AK-47s and black headbands. <laughs> and the, it, the page says, you know, the evil ISIS once called a JV team, and on the next page it. And Hillary's classified emails printed by the ream. And mm-hmm. There's Hillary. She's sitting on a toilet in her beautiful pink <laughs> pantsuit, surrounded by emails, and uh, she's trying to figure out how to make an iPhone work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched this video, and of course, radio is not a visual medium. But you got to check out the video or buy the book. Uh, just search for Doctor Jerome Corsi, a Good Night Obama on Amazon, and. And you'll find it. And, and Dr. Corsi, we've got a couple minutes left here. 
Uh, what in your mind, I, I know I just mentioned, and I, I, this is still true, that uh, Barack Obama, for some reason uh, that Allah only knows, he is still the most well-liked domestic politician. But at the end of the day, what is his true legacy going to be, in your mind, for this country? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, I don't dislike Obama, and I think... You know, he's got a big smile, and he's got an engaging personality. and somebody you know, you, It's people, somebody you'd want to have a beer with. Yeah, and, and so people ask, oh, do you like him? Well, sure. You know, I'd say I like him. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike Obama. What I dislike or object to is his policies, and those are on the grounds of, you know, my political perspective. I mean, I got one page in here. Look, they're climbing over the wall, the border, including some with, um, you know, uh, Middle Eastern Muslim headbands and says good night safety let's open the borders and the next page good night constitution by executive orders and here's Obama at his Oval Office desk with his Crayolas signing executive orders in his Democratic PJs the Constitution burning on the desk <laughs> and of course in the picture of the wall Obama's on a pedestal PJs and saying tear down this wall well that's the wall Obama wants torn down and, you know, again, these are the kinds of things I think we have to be able to have some fun with, look at with a certain perspective uh, that, you know, points out the ridiculous in a lot of what Obama's policies have been. And uh, I don't expect everybody to agree about it, but, you know, anybody who's got a good sense of humor ought to be able to appreciate uh, what the parody is all about. Been talking with uh, Dr. Jerry Corsi here on the Steve Day Show. He's uh, written a new parody book called "Good Night Obama." Dr. Corsi, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the Steve Day Show. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. We'll be back to wrap up the show in uh, just a few minutes. Stick around. Listening to Steve Dace. Letting the lion out of its cage, the Steve Day Show. And back one more time on the Steve Dace Show this Monday night. Minus Steve Dace. I'm his producer, Aaron McIntyre, along with uh, Steve's web editor, Todd Erzin. And this is the time, the part of the show, where we discussed what we learned. And uh, Todd, we'll start with you tonight. Uh, what did you learn? Well, I learned that uh, I'm going to have to ratchet up my DEFCON status concerning uh, Vladimir Putin. I've, he's clearly a nefarious player on some level, his, from the uh, the Ukraine to the Middle East. Uh, but m my gut always told me that within the modern-day theater, as it stood up until this morning, there was only so far he could push without seeming like a unhinged crazy man. And, mm -hmm. and he's no dummy. He said, but now with what happened today... He's been giving an opening that many sane leaders have taken before him to justify the, the safety of their people. Uh, so basically, Vladimir Putin, uh, you're up. I think what ha whether we totally forget about this to some extent months from now, because 
events have overshadowed this, or we remember this historically is up to one man and his attitude about what he wants to do with the rest of his life. That's so well said. Uh, in that, this is as we talked about at the start of the show. This is uh, one of the reasons that people voted for Donald Trump. I think the main motivation for a lot of people, or at least a lot of people who propelled Donald Trump to be in the position that he was in, uh, to run as a major party nominee, I think the motivation was mainly fear. And whether or not that's right or wrong, it's wrong in my eyes. But you can kind of understand it when you see moments like this. When you have this picture painted of this Islamic radical in a suit and tie, standing over the body of a foreign dignitary who he just shot, screaming, Alu Akbar. That scares people. And when you've had eight, eight years of foreign policy from a guy where, who, who operates in this paradigm where good and evil don't exist, and you see photos in moments like this, that'll scare you. And when you want, and when you're scared, you will go to safety or what seems like safety. And for people, I think a lot of people, Donald Trump seemed like safety. And I think that was illustrated again today. Well, uh, thank you and congratulations for making it to the end of another Steve Dace show without Steve Dace. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow and Wednesday with uh, some new and fresh uh, content for you. But until tomorrow, Micah 6 8. Listening to Steve Dace.